Welcome to PS Let's Talk Love. I'm Marsha. And I'm Solvay. We're communication professors and dating and relationship coaches. And in each episode, we'll be talking about dating, love, relationships, and all their complexities. We're here to help you navigate the sometimes awful, sometimes exhilarating, and oftentimes bonkers elements of all things relationships. We want to emphasize that this podcast is separate from our teaching and research at our university jobs. It is, however, part of our desire to bring dating and relationship support to folks everywhere. Let's talk love. We are here to talk about Ted Lasso season two, episode three. But before we do that, we're going to check in as we do. Marsha, what are you loving this week? Well, at this exact moment, I'm so much loving that it fucking stopped snowing. It's been snowing all morning, you guys, and I'm 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 over the snow. You're I'm over, over it. it. I'm yeah. done. Ugh. So you're really like talking about a love and hate situation here? I'm loving that it stopped. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty stormy out right now, and it has been snowing a lot lately, it seems. Yeah, it makes running outside extremely unpleasant. It's like running through sand. Yeah. I admire you and your persistence in weather like this. I run. Yeah, on Saturday, I think we had gotten a lot of snow and it was like really, I knew it was going to be bad. So I went to my brother's house and ran on his treadmill, which I'm very like grateful that I live very, very close to my brother. I could have walked there and Mm -hmm. that he has a brand new, really nice treadmill. It's like one of those ones. I don't know. Maybe you've seen them. I don't know. Maybe listeners, maybe you've seen them (laughs) that have like, it's all just a screen and you can be like, I want to go, run. like, I did a run in Montenegro and like, oh, that's cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah. You get to like have a screen in front of you with a view. Yeah. And there's like a oh. coach. I didn't listen to the coach guy talking, but you're like on a run with this guy. And I think he was probably pointing out like sites, I, but I mean, oh, it's really? beautiful. And it even the treadmill is so cool. If you wanted to, you could even set it up. So like the, um, you're like doing that run with that coach. So you're like the incline would go up when you're in certain spots automatically. And like the speed changes. I didn't cool. do any of that. Um, but it, it was cool. It was really cool. Cause it's like, Oh, this is kind of fun to like watch. It gives you at least something to look at. Well, yeah. I didn't listen. Cause I was listening to my own music, but there was even, uh, it looked like, like I saw some Rihanna and like, there was an Ed Sheeran song. And I was like, wow, they have like, new music it's not just like elevator music that's good one would hope one would hope that if they're gonna have that fancy of a treadmill that they would also be able to find a playlist that was (laughs) appropriate (laughs) it is it's a really cool one I was like I said to Dustin I was like maybe we should get one he's like why would you get one when you can go to your brother's house and I was like that's a great point excellent point thank you yep that's probably (laughs) wise yep 
Yeah, that's really cool. No, I have not seen those, but I really appreciate that because one of my least favorite things at going to the gym and doing the elliptical machine or the treadmill or whatever is at, at, at the gym, at least that I go to, they're just like mostly news channels in front of me. And usually it's really bad news. And I'm like, this, this doesn't inspire me to want to stay on this machine. It doesn't make me feel good while I'm moving. I mean, I'm sure maybe some people really love being able to see all those news channels in front of them, but it like, I, I feel I, tr I purposely try to look away and find something else to look at. So I love that that is an option. Yeah, they're really, they are nice. I was just thinking when I was at my uh, physical therapist, they have one of these treadmills too. And they were doing yeah. this like stride analysis with me and she just put it on something just to like, so it could start running. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it was, um, it was in Scotland and it was uh the Graham McTavish who is the a guy from the narrator? He he was like walking it, they were walking in that one. But he's from Outlander. Yes. And, yeah, it was it was I was like she was like, which one of these do you want? And I saw him and I was like, that one. Wow. Could they have made like anything more amusing for you to, to do? I know. Yeah, I had <laughs> forgotten about that. But yeah, it, they yeah, they are really cool. And also just a note yeah. about when I used to go to the gym, like actual gyms, I would go and ask the front desk to put the TV. I would like, be like can you put that one on Bravo or E? Nice. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of times they did. I feel like a lot of times people don't ask. And I'm like, I mean, there's like five people here. They can, if they want to watch news, they can look at one of the other 13 TVs. Yeah. Well, my solution for anyone else who's going to the gym and may have this, it currently has been to just allow myself to watch TikToks while I'm there on my phone. And that is, I, I try to like limit my time on that particular social media, but thank you for having me learn about Thank you slash also not thank you for TikTok because it does. It does take my time, but it's actually really great for me at the gym. And it's sort of my reward. Like, okay, if you are on the elliptical or the treadmill, you can watch TikToks. And that feels currently it's keeping my attention. <laughs> that's a good, I mean, that's a good strategy for like any behavioral change, right? Is the right? reward system. Yeah. That we would teach that in our classes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh. So I'm like, well, this works, this works for me right now, but yeah, I, I think, um, Still, when I look up, there are still things in front of me that I don't want to see. And it's a wall of them. Almost every yeah. gym, gym I've been to, it's like a wall of TVs with different things. So even if you get one on the right station, there's still like your sub, like in your peripheral vision, horrible things happening. So yeah. yeah, that sounds really nice. I'm glad you have that option. And I'm glad that it stopped snowing. Although quite honestly, as I'm looking outside right now, it looks very stormy still and um, very wintry. Like it's a very wintry day today out there. It is. But again, I can handle cold and winter. I, it's mm -hmm. a snow accumulation that I'm a little it over. Bums you out. Yeah, yeah. I can, which this, this actually, it worked out. Okay. Cause you know, everything goes my way. Cause it started snowing when I got done running like at, when I got done this morning, it was like the last 10 minutes it had just started to snow barely. And then I'm like, well, if it snows, this is listeners. This is what I think about. This is what takes up a lot of space in my brain. I was like, okay, well, as long as it stops snowing before, like after work time, all the after work skiers are going to be out and they're going to beat down the trail. So it'll be fine mm. by tomorrow morning when I want to go out there and go running. And like the groomers will probably okay. be out there this afternoon. And so I'm, I'm hopeful. <laughs> 
Okay. Everything goes my way. Speaking of that, speaking of that, one note I had for you that I feel like the podcast we I need to bring to the podcast to ask Mm -hmm. you about is did you you've not mentioned that you loved it, but did you watch the latest episodes of Shrinking on Apple TV Plus? And how did you feel? Because for anyone who's been listening to the podcast (laughs) for any amount of time, you probably also had some sort of response to episode two of Shrinking. Right. Um, I did watch episode two and three of Shrinking and literally nothing has made me so happy as being just hanging out on the couch and all of a sudden a lovely character yells out my life motto. (laughs) Everything goes my way. I I like screamed and jumped up like it was very exciting because I'm really (laughs) glad you did not you were I didn't like, want to give it away a lot. Episode two. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I will. Like I yeah. knew I was going to. But I'm glad you didn't key me in because it was a very fun surprise. Excellent. Excellent. I'm glad that you did not. I didn't I was I'm so bad at like keeping secrets or like being not totally transparent about things I was like just watch it let's see what you think and then I was trying really hard not to say anything else <laughs> I was like when you said that I we when we got done recording that day to Dustin I was like we gotta watch the other episode like I'm really interested at in what goes down because Solveig was like I want to know what you think I'm like what kind <laughs> of shift happens like that's what I thought I was like it, 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 mm-hmm. it's some sort of weird like um I don't know, like thing you find out about where you're like, and everyone's dead or something. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. No, no. They just say, I mean, y'all, I think we talked about this last week. So if you listened last week, we were talking about that. This is another show, Bill Lawrence show, which Marsha is a big fan of. And it turns out I am too. I just didn't know it until recently, until Marsha taught me that. Um, but yeah, they really, really, I guess, spoiler alert for anyone. They really double down on the everything goes my way. <laughs> Yeah, it's repeated. Yeah. yeah. I also really like, I mean, again, this is a very light spoiler for that episode when that character, then they're talking about it later. And he goes, well, I didn't say everything goes your way. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was an interesting, actually, let's pause on that for a minute, because I do want to ask you about that. The, the again, light spoiler, uh, The there's this conversation at the end of that episode where um, the character, the main character reveals that he doesn't, he didn't necessarily want to talk about it, be- about the grief that he was going through, just for anyone who has no idea what we're talking about. He, he was, he's been going through some hard times. He didn't necessarily want to talk about the grief that he was going through. Be- and he said, well, it's hard to talk about that with someone who says everything goes my way. And I thought that was interesting. What did, what was your response to that as you were thinking about it? Well, I felt very you defensive. Out. Did you feel defensive? (laughs) I was like, I immediately, like, I wanted to be like, that's not how I, and Dustin's like, can you just watch, can you just like let this conversation before you start talking about it? I was like, fine. Because I think, I mean, my read on it was like, I mean, I I think that the scene is handled really well. And I think like, it's a great insight into the characters and like what can happen um, Mm -hmm. when, people are experiencing grief. They react in lots of ways and some things are more helpful than others. And I also think it was sort of a little bit of a nod to this notion of toxic positivity. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. that's how Mm -hmm. I read it more because 
And then, I mean, this is me explaining myself. I say everything goes my way. And I tell people, like, you can steal this because I stole it from somebody, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, that's Mm -hmm. my life motto. But when somebody's going through something, like, I try to be thoughtful about not saying that. (laughs) Yeah, totally. 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 And not being like, it'll be fine. Everything will be fine, right? Like not, I mean, I I try to have that perspective just in general, but like also understanding and managing like when is the right time to present that information. Um, Yeah. So you wouldn't have comforted somebody by bringing that up, but neither did, it didn't sound like, I mean, it just sounded, I thought it was really interesting in that, you know, there's these two like. So grief is, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to speak to everybody's grief, but it seems like what we understand about grief is that it's this sort of puzzling experience for a human brain and body (laughs) that it kind of comes and goes, right? Like sometimes you're having a really hard time. Sometimes you're in a lot of grief. Other times, like you can kind of function and things are okay. And, and that grief stays with you for as long as it does. And our society isn't very good at recognizing that. Like there's all these things about grief, right? Um, that I thought the the one character like illustrated well. And then it is interesting to think about, you know, I think there's a lot of teachers that talk about Brene Brown, one of them that comes to mind, not like silver lining something when someone's having a hard time, right? Not saying like, well, you know, at least you're healthy when someone else has an ailing or someone has lost someone to whatever, you know, whatever the thing is like trying to make it better, which is where that's, I think toxic positivity can come in trying to, Mm -hmm. trying to like make something positive once that's not, that's genuinely not someone's experience. And that being said, saying to oneself as a mantra, everything goes my way to me, isn't toxic positivity to someone like it. Mm -hmm. I I, I see the, I see them like sort of um, bumping up against one another, but not necessarily like, I mean, we don't know what the character said in the past, but just like you said, I can't imagine you saying, well, things are, st- oh, that sucks that you lost someone. Everything goes my way. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to say that to somebody. <laughs> okay. So I had, I have been thinking about this a lot and like, admittedly that episode probably had way more significant effect on me mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. an average person. May I don't know, maybe not, probably but just me because, too. I mean, yeah. I've been thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, especially that connection that I already had with like, I'm like, right. oh my God, I've been, that's been my life motto for like years now. Like, literally mm-hmm. looking at my computer, I have a sticky note that says, everything goes my way right now. While yeah. we record this, listeners, there's a sign yeah. on my wall in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I've been thinking about this a lot. And I do think there is something, and I don't know if this is what they were trying to get at or not. I mean, this is Bill Lawrence's also life motto and he says that so I wonder if he's experienced this mm-hmm. I what I have a few people in my life right now and I'm gonna be kind of vague just to protect mm-hmm. identities but yeah. I have a few people in my life right now who are like they're kind of in like a for lack of a better like shitty time like their life mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not going great. There's like, they've just gotten mm-hmm. a couple of hits, right? And sometimes that happens with us where you just, you get a couple sure. hits in a row, right? We've all, yep. oh, yeah. there, right? It, the ebbs of, and flows of life. So that seems to be the life experience. Sometimes right. things are great. Sometimes they're real hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I am noticing <laughs> that I, I have one friend in particular who, you know, has really been going through the shit. And I think 
there is something interesting that happens where I'm like, okay, I feel like they're pulling away from me in a pretty big way. And Mm -hmm. I am like, is this because like, I'm just trying to put myself from in their shoes again. I have not like had a full conversation with them about it or anything like that. So this is just me like hypothesizing, but I could see how it might be frustrating to interact with someone who from the outside a little bit seems like they're just floating through life and saying everything goes my way Mm -hmm. and which Mm -hmm. I don't feel like, like I've certainly gotten knocked down. But I try to be like, hey, you know, this is going to shake out like this is my shit time, but it's going to shake out in my favor. Right. Like whatever this disappointment is, there's a reason that it happens. Like it's the same reason people say everything happens for a reason. I just don't like that Mm -hmm. saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I could see like going back to the representation in the show being like, okay, I could see where it's not that that character would be like everything goes my way though it's just like kind of witnessing them move through the world like that could be triggering and Mm -hmm. or or off-putting or off-putting at minimum right like yeah yeah I also think that there is there's like a threshold moment when people are in like in the shit right and I think like the example in the show is really, really bad. Like it, it, what happened was very sad. For sure. Yes. But I do think like you, as I'm watching people around me go through upsetting things and grief, I'm like, okay, but there has to be a point where you've got to move through it. Like you've got to get to the other, not fully to the other side, right? It's going to come and go, but like mm-hmm. you've been down, you've been down, everything is shit. Everything is shit. Everything is shit. But can we like, it's, at some point you got to like pick your head up and look around. I don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert in this. What do you think? Are you talking about grief or are you talking about just sort of being in a negative headspace? Because I think they might be different, <sighs> though there I, might be you know, similar similarities. I think it's a combo. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think as a, I think about grief that as a society, we don't know how to handle someone being in grief and we don't create space for it. So mm-hmm. like, I think there, um, you know, there's someone being in a place where they're grieving and needing the time that it takes and that not being someone else's pacing around something seems like a fairly mm-hmm. normal thing that happens right now. And I think if someone's in a, you know, from what I under, again, from what I understand about grief, grief ultimately is one of those things that that is in sort of integrated into the way we move forward. Like you never, you, you don't get over the loss, but it's just sort of integrated and you, you start to, it seems like at some point be able to sort of function better again, mm-hmm. I guess that's without trying to say, I don't, that doesn't sound insensitive. Um, and I think being in a place where one hard thing happens and another hard thing happens and not being able to shake sort of shake loose that, that feeling, um, can be all kinds of other things, right? It could be, uh, you know, it could be burnout, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of us who are not going through our stress cycles. So we're really in a place where we're burnt out. It could be, and, and we're just like any little thing just feels even worse. It could be, um, that, that, you know, someone's going through depression, right? I think if at some point they're not, if you, if we're not able to pick up at some point and say like, oh, actually like, yes, things are really hard, but also like, 
here's this point of light in my life and here's this point of connection and not look for those things that, that a person could be really like, it could be something where they need clinical help. Right. right and again, right, I mean that right. with like, I yeah. don't mean that with judgment. I mean that with kindness and like, yeah, I mean, I think when someone's in those places, um, it can be very off putting to, yeah, just back going back to what you said, have someone who uh, else who seems to be doing okay. And, um, you know, it's not necessarily what somebody wants when they're having a really hard time, which yeah. is tough because at some point, you know, emotional agility is the ability. Dr. Susan David talks a lot about the ability to eventually move your way through something, right? It's not that you shouldn't feel your feelings, but you know, if you're sort of stuck in one place, that's probably not going to serve you in the long run. It's not toxic positivity to say like, Hey, at some point you might want to try to like find your way through that and tune into like what else is happening in the world. I think that that, I mean, I appreciate all of what you just said, because I do think like, you're right. You're totally right about, I think it's human nature a little bit, or perhaps some sort of combo of that in our societal values that you want to be like, okay, okay, can we be okay now? Right, right. Like it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It's uncomfortable to sit with someone who's in pain. Like it's uncomfortable. It causes discomfort in the person sitting with. Yeah, I think what's, and maybe part of what's hard to observe about that is when you're like, okay, I want you to be able to feel your feelings, but like you're, like if that is ongoing for months at a time, I I think I worry as an outsider, like you're not getting any uplifting moment that is concerning to me. Like you can still mm-hmm. be in grief and be able to, I mean, I think that's what I really like about the show shrinking to bring it back mm-hmm. to that is like mm-hmm. people can be in the shit and in the grief spiral, but also be able to like, at least find little moments of levity and lightness in that. Like the, it's the tragic and the humorous all rolled into one. And I feel like there's a few people that I have witnessed in life recently that I'm like, Oh, I feel like you're not getting the, you're not getting the lightness. Um, and it's troubling. Right. And, and then I think that I'm not necessarily the person to step in and help with that because of right. All of this aforementioned, like I'm the one who's like, but everything goes my way again, would not say that to someone, in that, but, but I think to, you know, to the people in my life, they're like, yeah, you're just like cruising through and everything's fine. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Being a human is hard. Yeah. Well, all of what we're talking about connects sort of with what I love this week. So I'm going to okay, yeah, change yeah, the subject what are, slightly. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm mindful of the time. So I'm just going to change it slightly and then we can wrap up. But I'm just going to say that, and I'm curious if you have either watched the documentary Stats or listened to the interview on Armchair Expert with Phil Stats. I did listen to the interview on Armchair Expert and I really, really enjoyed it. I haven't watched the documentary, but the only, and the only reason I haven't is because I feel like I have not been in an emotional space lately that I could like take it in, in the way that I would like to. I know that it is going to be like kind of intense is my guess based on what was talked about. Yeah. I actually think you should now, now that you just said that I'm like, go watch it this week because what I was, what I was going to say, I mean, who knows, like you may experience it differently, but, um, the, what, and, and also just to say, I also listened to the Anna Kendrick interview on Armchair Expert that we talked about last week. It was really, really good. Thank you for that. Definitely amplifying that recommendation. Um, and that, and then right next to, to that one was the Phil Stutz uh-huh. interview. And I had just watched Stutz on Nuts. 
Netflix um, because one of one of my coaching clients was like, oh my gosh, this was so amazing. Go watch it. So I did. So like all of these things sort of transpired mm-hmm. for me to think and pay attention to Stutz's work. Um, the, the documentary itself is it's kind of slow moving, I would say. I mean, my experience of it is kind of slow moving and it kind of takes some twists and turns that I was like, I'm a little bored right now, <laughs> like <laughs> if I'm honest. However, what I loved about it were these gems of what what I felt like were gems of what's of what Stutz said, of what Phil Stutz shared. I th- also thought Jonah Hill's experience and it was very, very interesting in the documentary. Like I could really, um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I should say there were many things that I thought were very cool about and interesting about what Jonah Hill had to share, but also um, Phil Stutz shares about his work and specifically these tools that he's developed um, to support his clients. And they were so interesting to hear about because he's working with people. I think he's a psychiatrist. And so just working, thinking about the kinds of ways and people that he, you know, what people are struggling with that he might be helping them with. I just want to, I guess all I want to say here is I haven't read the book yet, but I likely when I have time to read something new, will order his book, The Tools, because he talks about a lot of the tools in the documentary. And I was like, I want to understand those more. I'd like to know what those are, not only for my own well-being, but also, you know, to be able to maybe refer to them for someone else too, because they're, they seem quite good. They seem quite useful. And what I love is that he also sort of takes this, he has so many tools for people who are struggling to move through their struggles to sort of return to their, I don't want to say their, um, you know, their joy, that's not necessarily, but to return to center for themselves. And I really, really liked that about it. Okay. I do remember in the interview, him talking about how like he likes every session. He wants concrete things to help people. Yes. yes and I, yes. that, that's something I, I, uh, um, that type of perspective is one that I appreciate and yeah. try to utilize as well. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm so appreciate it. I'll watch it. It's a little slow. I like my mind wandered a few times. Then I was like, keep watching. And then every time, and then I kept being like, oh, I'm glad I'm still watching. Oh, okay. I'm glad. And I think it's only an hour and a half. So is it, would it be okay to watch it while I like was lifting, doing my strength training? <laughs> Do you? Think? Oh, definitely. Okay. Oh, definitely. I think so. I, I feel like there's a, yes, I, could have easily been like doing something else. And though, though one of my clients said she paused it and took notes on everything. So I didn't, I didn't feel that way about it. I just thought like, Oh, I'll get the book. Okay. All <laughs> but right. he also says, I mean, I don't know if this is true, but just to bring it full circle, he says on the podcast that that TV show shrinking is based on his work, which I think is fascinating. I remembered that vaguely. Um, yeah. So then I was like, wait, what? Shrinking is based on Phil Stutz's work. I'm so anyway. So I don't know if that's all if that's true, y'all, but that's what he said in the interview. And I don't know why he would make that up. So yeah, it would be interesting. I should I'm sure we could see documentation of that somewhere. There'll, probably, there'll, there'll be an interview or something. I, mean, I know we could probably Google it right now, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we were not going to, but we could. No, we're not going to. We're done. <laughs> we're we're done. done, y'all. Listeners, we are going to be talking about Ted Lasso, season two, episode three. So we have a quick recap of this episode. 
The team is still readjusting to Jamie's return. Ted tries a few methods, including an appearance by his alter ego. Ultimately, it comes down to Jamie showing his desire to be a team player. Rebecca is navigating a newly rekindled relationship with her goddaughter and trying to show her how a boss bitch handles herself. <laughs> There's a lot more that happens in the episode, but that's that's like the basic summary, I would say. Nice summary. Yeah. yeah. Nice summary. Nice summary. And when we were looking at themes for this episode, one of the big ones that kind of came up for us was this idea of understanding and finding your role, uh, whether it's in a relationship like we see with Rebecca and her goddaughter or within the team, like we see highlighted a bit more with Jamie and Sam's story. So it's all about finding your role. Um who do you want to start with? Should we? I think we're going to break it down by character and kind of storyline. Seems yeah. to make the most sense. Let's start uh, with Rebecca. We we we. I, I like Rebecca. Yeah. Uh, and we get to see we meet Nora, who is Sassy's daughter, who we haven't like we've heard about, but we hadn't seen yet. I felt like there was, this is just an aside, but a very, the, there was a very funny interaction where we first meet her and then Ted is there and he's like, is she mine? And they're like, that was pretty hilarious. Yeah, the, the entire exchange was like one of my favorite exchanges on the show that happened. Very silly. Yes. I love, I love that. Well, I love whenever Sassy shows up, mm-hmm. Rebecca's friend Sassy shows up. She's great. And then to, uh, yeah, I mean, what is your favorite, what is your favorite moment of that exchange? I, I mean, I, <laughs> I like at the very end of the exchange when Sassy's like, and to, if I remember correctly, you, you finished um, and, and like kind of trails off. Impl- uh, yeah, he's impl- like, he's like yeah, no, 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 don't say anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I guess I also like when she's like, he's so eager to please to Rebecca. And I was like, respect Ted. Of course, Ted is. <laughs> Yeah, I liked that part too. And I also liked when Rebecca at the, after he leaves and Rebecca's like, did he talk like that the whole time? And Sassy's like, yes, he did. It was fabulous. Yes. <laughs> I Yeah, it made me so happy. I also in my notes during that scene, I, all I wrote in caps was Ted can fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was like Ted's a good lover. Okay. <laughs> It didn't, you know what? It didn't surprise me. I was like, no, that tracks. He seems like very caring, very thoughtful about someone else's experience. I feel like (laughs) Sassy knew. She's a psychologist. She knew which one was going to be the best bet. Yeah, that's awesome. So there's a fun, we we begin in a fun way. And then we get to follow Rebecca and Nora throughout the, throughout the episode, which is great. Just being able to follow along with them and just noticing the the I I can relate to this a lot. If you know, I'm not I'm not around that many children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not around that many children, and so when I am around, like my nieces, for example, or other you know children in my life who I get to be around, sometimes I always am like, okay, like I want to be cool, but like, how do I be cool? Like, I, I I definitely feel some of those feelings that it seems like Rebecca was feeling as she's getting to what is she spending a couple days with Nora like as she's getting to spend those couple days she's she's kind of trying to figure out like what do we do now yeah and she kind of relies on what they used to do like six or seven years ago and you know in a rather comic way Yeah. yeah yeah and I think you know I I agree with you about 
Like I, I also, I spend time around my niece and nephews, but mm-hmm. like beyond that, I, I don't feel like I would not describe myself as like a kid person mm-hmm. because I just like, I don't know. Some people just like have this like thing. They just know how to interact with children at any age. And I feel like I am decidedly not that person. I'm like, I don't know. This is awkward. Do you feel as awkward as me to like a seven-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So there's this, I mean, when I used to work with kids, I would definitely feel like there was this, some sort of like six, seven, eight year old where I started to be like, okay, I know what to do now. Like I know mm-hmm. what to do, but younger than that for me, I'm like, I don't know what to do with you. I don't know. And obviously you and I both work with a lot of people who are in their late teens. So we like know what to do there, but yeah, Rebecca's in this. I mean, it doesn't seem like Rebecca spends time with children much and is trying to, yeah, take Nora, takes her goddaughter to, you know, this like tea 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 and cakes maybe to tea um which looks like something that like Nora says you do with a six-year-old and then maybe tries to go to this doll shop but is delightfully uh redirected I would say by Roy Roy's been doing some real Roy's really been there for Rebecca this season Mm -hmm. so far I feel like that's like an underlying storyline that's come through the last few episodes is it Roy and Rebecca seem to be friends. Like he seems to be a source of of, support. Yeah. Yeah, Presumably because of her and Keely's friendship. Right. I mean, I imagine they're all spending some time together now. It seems. Yeah. I really love it. I feel like he has in some ways taken on a little bit of this mentorship role with her, like in a very subtle way, he's giving her, insight into first that the one dude Wingstop was that his name can't remember in my mind it is um (laughs) giving that whole speech but then also in this instance like kind of sharing his understanding of like what it means what your role is as not really a parent but a important person in a young person's life and you know Roy's relationship with Phoebe and then Rebecca's relationship with Nora and he gives some insight which is really excellent advice (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he's just being a friend. I feel like he's just being a friend to her and showing up in the ways that friends can show up. And I love that. Um. You know, we don't. Uh, they do such a good job in this show of illustrating the ways people can have these really like cool relationships with one another that don't have to be. You know, there's no weirdness between like Rebecca and Roy being friends. It's just like clean energy. They run into each other. They're happy to see one another. Roy genuinely cares about Rebecca's life, it seems, and is willing to point out these things every once in a while, like Mm -hmm. kids will want to do whatever you want to do if (laughs) in this case, which seems to really help Rebecca. Yeah. Yeah. I think that he, I, I appreciate that, that this show does a really nice job of highlighting that you can have platonic friendships between yes. people of different genders and like, right. Like Rebecca yeah. and Roy and Keely and Ted and like Rebecca and Ted, there's just all of these Higgins and Rebecca and Keely. Like there's a lot of platonic friendships that don't have like a weird undercurrent Yes. Which seems to, it's much more true to life in my experience. Same, 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 same. But it does seem like that is often depicted as something that could be weird. And I mean, straight up, it can be weird. I mean, I, I, you, you don't know until you, you know, are like, what am I trying to say? Yeah. I mean, I guess straight up, it can be weird that like, sometimes Mm -hmm. it isn't 
a platonic situation and sometimes that catches you by surprise. But in this case, we see lots of depictions of that being a really chill, normal thing, which is the world that I'd like to live in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. I think this episode, we were talking about this earlier, listeners, this episode to me feels very much like wish fulfillment. Like it's how everyone acts in the way in a perfect world, or at least my perfect world, everyone would be acting. And so, I mean, we kind of see it with that too. I mean, I think that that is true throughout the, the show when it comes to the friendships of it all, right? There doesn't seem to be any like unrequited love or like some weird crush that is muddling the waters with relationships but yeah 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 Yeah, I think that's a great point about this one so we see Roy give her this advice and then her be like oh uh Nora do you want to just come to work would you want to watch a scary movie and come to work with me tomorrow and Nora's like yes like she is like she is started to figure out like what it is to be a godmother to Nora to be an adult who cares to Nora and Nora is clearly very excited because at the beginning she's sort of making these old digs like oh are you going to go away for another six years am I not going to see you again right she's she's not sure I mean fair enough she's not sure whether to trust Rebecca and then as the episode goes on we see that that they're finding a way they're finding they're finding both of their roles in that yeah I thought that I wouldn't So when Nora made that comment at the tea place about like, are you going to, you're coming back, right? Which like it was said with some levity. Yeah. 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 Right. It was just like a little dagger to Rebecca as well. I was like, oh my God, Nora is Sassy's daughter through and through. Cause like you just see like such a consistency between just the tone of the things that they say and the way that they say them. I was like, oh, this is like such a perfect depiction of what sassy's kid would act like Like, yeah yeah beautiful very well done very well written yes (laughs) yeah and I mean I just want to also note Roy's advice he said they just want to feel like they're part of our lives they're little idiots (laughs) (laughs) oh Roy which also I mean you have interacted with like your nieces some Mm -hmm. I have found this to be extremely true Like the best, Adeline's favorite thing to do is to come to my house and like, I'll be like, okay, we're going to clean the kitchen. And she's like sweeping and like, like, it's like, literally (laughs) it's whatever I want to do. I'm like, oh, it's time to do gardening. She's like, great, let's do it. (laughs) Listeners, Adeline is like, not even, she's like three and a half. She's like on board with everything. I mean, she can, she does it in a real shit way because she's three and a half. (laughs) I have to redo it. But I have found it's such great advice is that like mm-hmm. just bring bring the kids bring along. Them along. Yeah. yeah. And also such a great like it's also Ted's philosophy kind of is yeah. like he you show people how to be by being that thing, right? Like yeah. And so I think like, it's just such great advice. I wanted to make sure we like put a pin in that too. I'm actually really glad you did. I feel like that just helps me right now because a lot of times when I'm hanging out with like the children in my life, it's like supposed to be the special time where we're supposed to do something special. And I do actually, I don't, I don't, I didn't realize how fully this was going to help me until we've talked about this right now that I'm usually like, what are we going to do? How do I make it special? Like I want to be, I want to be like, I want it to be special. So I'm going to try this next time. It's surprisingly effective, like cool at any, and especially if you're like, yeah, we're gonna, I mean, we do a lot of baking too, but I'm like, okay, we're going to chop cabbage or now you're going to put the oil on it. And like, 
she's like super psyched to do anything that I am doing. Or I'm like, can you go feed the dog? She's like, yeah, I'm going to feed the dogs. I'm like, oh my yeah. Gosh. I feel like we've just unlocked some key for me here through this conversation. I'll report back. It's great. You get a little child labor. (laughs) (laughs) Joking. I'm joking, guys. I'm joking. Joking. Just joking. Joking. Just a joke. Just a joke. Um, Yeah. So anyway, so then Rebecca takes it to heart and it seems to really be cool. Like Nora really seems to like find a lot of understanding with or it seems to understand a lot of what is going on within the organization and also right she's a very bright (laughs) she takes a rebecca takes a lot more advice from a 13 year old than i think maybe i would but (laughs) hey north smart yeah so we see we see her finding her role with Nora and that is pretty neat to watch throughout the rest of the episode where other things are happening that also call sort of Rebecca's role and who she's going to be and how she's going to show up into question once again when we and we'll talk about this more when we talk about Sam but when there's this contra you know when we're introduced to the fact that Sam is not as actually interested in being Sam in fact does not want to be um the poster child essentially for Dubai Air that he was that that Keely was trying to help him to be right like Keely in her good intentions for PR and publicity was trying to get Sam a gig and she did and then Sam realizes he doesn't want it which we'll talk about later and Rebecca actually really stands up for him there yeah and he i mean when he comes in and again we'll talk about his whole part of this later when he comes in and says like i don't want to be a part of it like here's my concern she is again wish fulfillment immediate there's not a a hesitation there's no like ooh, this could be bad she just is like yeah we got your back and i think like this is and she does (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, and then she follows through. And I do think that that's a good example of like Rebecca settling into her role as a leader within the this football cu- club, yeah. right? Like Ted is the coach, but she is the, you know, the one at the helm who is navigating all of the like financial components and publicity components and seeing her be like, okay, I'm just going to have to feel like, I know this is my role. I'm the one who has to fix this now. Mm -hmm. I mean that, I think that's like, that's what we're seeing is her going, okay. And now I have to fix it for real. Not like in the way I was last year where I was secretly fixing horrible. Yeah. (laughs) Secretly sabotaging, pretend fixing things. Yeah. Now I'm going to really fix it. And we see how effective she is at that. Right. I mean, she is very clear in her leadership. She is willing to call the owner of Dubai or whatever, Cerithium Oil, it sounds like the owner, somebody mm-hmm. like that. So she's stepping into that CEO role, calling him standing. And then he says, you need to get rid of Sam. And she, you know, does what she can do to hang up the phone, thinks about it and then says no. Yeah. And, and I mean, stands up to the sponsor, to to a primary sponsor, it seems, of the team when we already know at one point Higgins, I think it's Higgins, right, who sort of mentions that the, the team, the salaries of the team might be a bit high for being relegated and what this team can afford. So we already know there's a bit of a challenge financially within the team and she still does the the right thing. Right. Which is another, I would say like the undercurrent of theme in this episode would be like, do the right thing. Like the, I think Ted at one point says, 
doing the right thing is never the wrong thing. Sorry, yeah. did I steal your tedism? <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. But that's cool. <laughs> we'll come back to it. We'll just we'll just amplify it one more time. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like that's the undercurrent, right? Is that is doing the right thing and seeing her stand up and be like, no, this is the right thing to do. I also think I didn't think about it till just now when you mentioned that she talked about that connection to Rupert mm-hmm. with the sponsor. You know, in the past, we would see any mention of Rupert, any thinking about mm-hmm. that past life, she would spiral a bit, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. not at, she was just like, oh, yeah, that was a part of my life. Like, it was such a nonchalant way. It was just a really matter of fact, like, oh, yeah, when we were together, this is how it was. Um, yeah. And I think, like, that's a great, subtle demonstration of Rebecca's growth that, like, that didn't send her spiraling, that didn't send her down, like, a rabbit hole of, of like, I don't know, self-despair. She instead was just like, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to use that connection. Yeah, or self-loathing or self-destruction yeah. or whatever. Yeah, she, she, yeah, you're right. She really, we we can see her her healing in that in that in that ability to do that yeah and i'm just looking at since we're since we're thinking about that nora saying sometimes you have to do the right thing even if you lose Mm -hmm. is an interesting um quote within this whole context of what's happening as well yeah i have that written down as well right it's kind of the same thing as ted Mm -hmm. Mm um yeah and she stands up for the team and and for him, I mean, we also see that, like, she potentially could have an even bigger issue, given right. what this the team does at the end of the episode as well. We don't really, you know, know what kind of ramifications that's going to have for her, but it seems like she still has, like, a level of pride for it, right? She's happy in the locker room afterwards and is, yeah. I don't know, yeah, just seems to, like, have really settled into her role as a leader on the team. Yeah. Yeah. So much. I also want to just make a nod before we move on from Rebecca, that it's really adorable in this sort of, in this storyline where when Sam comes in and Nora is so excited to see Sam and we're starting to see this, like this just appreciation for Sam growing here. Um, And, and I love at the end when they, the very end, when they all get to take a photo, when they have Nora take a photo with the whole team too. That's real sweet. Yeah. Well, we learned kind of toward the end that Sam is her favorite player. Yeah, so cute. I know. It also, <laughs> I mean, listeners, I've said this before, but it makes me so happy when Sam is a main, like having a main storyline because Obi is Sam Obasanya. And every time I'm like, <laughs> you just think Sam, of your dog. And I'm like, it's Obi. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it's, this is, I'm like, I was telling Obi while I was watching this, I was like, look at this, this is who we named you after. You better live up to this, these expectations. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. She well, is quite athletic. <laughs> She is, and she seems like a really good person too. Speaking yeah. of which, shall we talk about Sam? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Sam. Uh, okay, so we kind of see early, like early this season, we were getting little threads of Sam is stepping in a little bit more as a leader on the field with the team. It seems like, like it seems like he's been having some good games. He's really coming into his own is kind of what we're led to believe as opposed to last year when he was still just kind of trying to find his place, right? Trying to find his role. So he's stepping into this role as like a primary player, uh, a goal scorer, a bit more of a leader on the team. Um, And I think we even kind of see the outward, how everyone else around him is seeing him that way too, which is why he got this sponsorship opportunity with Dubai Air. Like they wanted him 
for this. I assume he gets some money for being a part of that campaign. I would assume I would assume that's why it's incentivized. Yeah. 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 And it also ups his I mean, Keely, I think, mentions this like it ups his brand right now. He's affiliated with this luxury airliner and, Mm -hmm. you know, that can beget more types of sponsorships of this nature. So anyway, we kind of see that outwardly others are recognizing him stepping into that role as more of a primary player on this team, a force on this team, a leader on this team. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's a great way of putting that. And then pretty much immediately after that, we also see this text interaction that he has where it's with his dad, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting I just I'm just gonna admit, like, sometimes I need glasses to read the things that are happening on the text messages on TV shows, but I don't always wear my glasses anyway. So then I have to like pause and like get closer to the screen. So that's why I was like, I'm not sure that's, this is a sign of my age, I suppose, or my eyesight. Um, so I couldn't really see to remember and I didn't, but I was like, that's his dad. Right. So, but we see his dad saying like, I'm very disappointed in you. How can you be the how can you be the face of Dubai Air, which is a subsidiary of Cerithium Oil, which is totally destroying the environment in Nigeria, where they're from? Yeah. Okay. I have to say, I realized that they probably just accelerated that conversation for the sake of TV, but I was like, Sam's dad coming in hot. Like, <laughs> he was like, you're a corporate shill. Yeah. Like, Jesus, dude. <laughs> like, take a break. <gasps> Yeah, I mean, some the only other times we've seen his dad so far, it's been like, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud mm-hmm. of you, right? Yeah. 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 It was just like, wow, okay, all right, buddy. It's that, okay, corporate shell. He's like, I'm so disappointed in my son. I was like, God. Yeah, his family clearly feels quite strongly about this. Right, which also, you know, environmental issues was last season when Keely was asking them like what they cared about and what they wanted to be affiliated with their own brand. That's what Sam mentions is he's like, I really like environmentalism and conservatism, like, like conservationism, not conservative. Yeah. <laughs> conservation. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And so good memory. That. Wow. Yeah, good well, memory. I again, can't that. do math, but I can remember those very specific things. He also said he did not <laughs> want to make love to Jordans because they were like, I love Air Jordan. Good memory. <laughs> yeah, so this is really then in contradiction to his values as he's starting yeah. to realize from his dad's strong text. Yeah, and I think, so we we simultaneously see that happening. We also see him on the pitch and in the locker room asserting himself as a leader, especially with the dynamic with Jamie. Like we know mm-hmm. Sam was not excited for Jamie to be coming back to the team. And Ted brought Jamie back, like basically in exact opposition to what Sam had wanted and expressed mm-hmm. to him and what Ted said was going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we see, like, I think that I had kind of forgotten about how shitty Jamie was to Sam. Yeah, he was a jerk. Yeah, he was like, just was snarky and like not pleasant to him and really put him down repeatedly and and Sam's like yeah I fucking remember dude yeah and now yeah. guess what the tables have turned yeah now uh, yeah and we see I mean we see these moments where Sam you know towards the beginning of the episode Sam and Ted have this interaction where Sam you know after Jamie's been whatever ridiculous and whatever way Jamie's been ridiculous that he gives he gives him a real look like you know we get a we get to see that that interaction between the two of them that he's 
he's standing up for himself. He's tackling Jamie on the pitch when he, yeah. when he has the opportunity to. He's making it clear that that things have changed. Yeah, and it explicitly says that to Jamie. And he does that little hair, head rub, which I think Jamie did to him in the first season. Oh, I think I that that's a callback. That. Okay. Yeah. 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 And says like, hey, things have changed around here. Guess like buckle up, buddy. Um, and I mean, I think what it is really cool is that we saw this in the first season, how Sam was like trying to come into his own and he was away from home for the first time and like really struggling. And now we're seeing like, no, this dude, this is like a man who understands his role and like sees himself as a force. And we've yeah. seen that shift just like so subtly over all of the time that we've been able to observe him. See, guys, this is why I love this character. My dog is named after him. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, yes, we we love Sam. Um, so Sam then goes to Rebecca and Keely and says, I can't be the face of Dubai Air. I need to pull, I need to pull this. I can't be in those photos. I don't want to do this. And steps up in that way. They hear him. I mean, he even goes in, he's he he has such a great way of being respectful in the way that he speaks about things. Well, I guess, I guess he was a little, <laughs> I guess he was not as respectful last episode, but in this episode with, you know, with Rebecca and Keely saying, I can't do this. And then, and then in addition to that, you know, takes nonviolent action, decides to put black tape over Dubai air when he goes to get out on the field and then encourages through his not actually asking of anyone else to do things, but through, through leading by example, says why he is not willing to have the Dubai Air name on his jersey. And then others follow suit. Mm -hmm. I think just the way that Sam chooses to communicate through all of this, like perhaps we are to assume he learned his lesson with Ted last episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but right when he goes into the, the room with Rebecca, he's like very respectful. He's not like Dubai air is a piece of shit. And I can't believe you, babe. Right. Yeah. He, he's like, Hey, like, this is not, I am not comfortable with this anymore. I didn't know this information. I have information, right. He does it really respectfully. And then same thing, especially because the people he's talking to are not Dubai air. Like, yes, exactly. Right? And then in the locker room. We kind of see that happen too, where he like he has some personal reflection moment and he makes the choice to cover up the logo. And then, you know, he's talking about it and he specifically says to the team, he's like, hey, we don't expect you guys to do this. This is like about being Nigerian and what, you know, this company has do done to our country. Right. He's like very respectful and mm -hmm. again, I think like this is him really fully stepping into his role as a leader and, and empl employing Ted's leadership philosophy, right? Of like standing up for what you believe, not forcing people to do things, like letting it come mm -hmm. to someone on their own. Mm -hmm. And and I think like the really monumental moment then we see, and we'll talk about Jamie a little bit more here coming up, but Jamie makes that choice. And like, yeah. that's like where we see, and Ted, or not Ted, see, they're so similar, Sam and Ted, I think. Um, Sam also doesn't have so much ego and resentment to G Jamie that he's like, no, you're not going to do that. Like, right? Like he accepts the olive branch that Jamie hands. 
Yeah, it's such a beautiful example of emergent leadership of that sort of power with or power within, right? That 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 Sam has this sense of confidence, sense of self-worth, sense of willingness to stand up for his values and doesn't force others to do that, but through leading by example, like you said, through um through following perhaps also the influence Ted has had in his life, like those different ways that he is standing up for what he believes in, in a way that in that, that has the, the impact of having others want to do that too, even though he's not forcing it. Yeah. He's just such a beautiful force. Yes. And then he uses his platform to speak up, right? We see him further speak up in the press conference afterwards. Like Sam is really really stepping it up here. I mean, really talk awesome. about stepping really into, awesome to watch. <laughs> yeah. Talk about stepping into leadership. He fully accuses the Nigerian government of corruption in a press conference. I was like, oh, this is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about how, how much of a big deal those things are. I mean, it, it kind of, because it's a, uh, uh, you know, because it's Ted Lasso and it's light and it's a sitcom and whatever, it's like, you kind of, you kind of don't think about like the weight of what that is fully, but it's a pretty big deal what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think about our contemporary examples, right? Like, do we have examples of people in sport who are really standing up for things like that? And it's like pretty minimal and they certainly don't typically get the reception that Sam seems to be getting from like the team and the players. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we don't know what the general public has to say about it, but yeah, I just think like this was a big deal. It was a big deal for him to use that platform in that way. And like, what, what a leader he's also putting himself at risk by doing that. Exactly. I was thinking about like what, I mean, and this is, I don't want to lead us too far down this sort of rabbit hole, but like the, you know, the world cup and the Iranian players and some of the former Iranian, like during the, you know, those, that uprising in Iran, like what was happening for people there and is still happening, I believe. Um, And what those play, what different world cup players had to be thinking about in terms of consequences, obviously not the same situation. Um, Well, I mean, we don't really know what the situation in this, you know, in this is, but there can be really big, not every country has freedom of speech, right? Not every country uh, allows people to stand up in those ways to power, right? To stand up to power, or the elite in that way. And that's what he's doing. And it's, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. I mean, the Iranian players refused to sing the national anthem. And then like, they were forced to sing the national anthem is my understanding, or strongly suggested that they sing the national anthem. Um, I mean, like, right, that's a very current example. I mean, when I watched this episode, I thought of Colin Kaepernick, um, mm, yes, the NFL right. player who took a knee during the national anthem and like, I mean, has ha- has suffered many a consequence as a result of that. Right. He lost his sponsors. He lost his team. Like he's I don't believe he's I'm not like an American football watcher at all. Me so either, yeah, I only know him because of the social like justice work that he's been doing. But um, I do know that he had a ton of consequences as a result of like a very small nonviolent act of defiance that mm. was intended to start a conversation which it it did and he did <laughs> yeah but he, yeah. you know yeah he lost 
so much as a result of that. So I think when I say that the show, this episode is wish fulfillment, that's the other part of it that I think about is like, Sam seems to like that, that what Sam's reception is, is what I want the The world to be like, yes, I wanted Colin Kaepernick to have that reception too. Yeah. 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 No, that's a great, that's a really great point. So Sam's being a badass, yeah. basically, and Again, named my dog after him. <laughs> also, also, Jamie's having some interesting experiences this episode. Jamie is really, really struggling to figure out what his role is on the team now. Right yeah. in the past, he had been the the ace. He had been mm-hmm. the top player. He had been the star, and. Now that he's back, he is not in the same place that he once was. Yeah. So he is kind of doing some of his old moves a little bit in trying to figure that out. And then, I don't know, what else does he do? I mean, he he is, has a very silly scene where he's doing a lot of different, like, cool moves on the pitch. What else? What else does he do? Well, he comes in and I think is kind of grasping at straws in terms of how he can regain acceptance within the team, right? Like, again, that's why I think this theme of finding your role or finding their role is a through line. He's like not really sure of his role and he's kind of trying to be like, how can I get reaccepted into this team? I want to be a part of it, but like, oh shit, (laughs) they're not all like accepting me. So, I mean, at one point he's like, I'll just buy them PS5. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah. He's like, can I buy them things? That's what you do to get love. Right. There's that funny interaction. And then he goes and tries to talk to Keely too. I forgot about that. He tries to talk mm-hmm. to Keely and she's like, there's somebody else you can talk to about that, which is a great form of boundaries. Once again, mm-hmm. Keely doing great with her boundaries and walks him into Dr. Fieldstone, which is interesting that I think things shift after that. We don't really know if he talks to her. I mean, he seems like he's going to talk to her. He says, so I just talk about myself here. And she says, yes. And then that's all we see. But presumably she she was helpful for him. Well, yeah. And I think, I mean, perhaps whatever she said helped him be able to spot the times that were opportunities for him to ingratiate himself to the team a bit more. Right. Cause yeah. I think of when I think of Jamie's reacceptance into this team, there were two things that happened. And the first was when he stepped up and kind of said something to, to Ted's alter ego led Tasso very right weird. and was like uh, uh, basically like let it let it go I don't remember actually exactly what he said it was pretty small and subtle but he basically yeah. was like enough like what are we doing enough already yeah yeah and and then the second thing I mean I think the more significant thing the thing that we're really like noting is him s- standing up with Sam and being like hey we're a team right we have to have the same kit we're a team and just being like, no, I'm going to do this too. Which again, like, I, I suppose we can also note that this puts all of those players in some level of jeopardy, right? Like there yeah. is a bit of risk in doing this. As we have talked about, there could be financial consequences. There could be, I don't know, other consequences. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's not just him. It's not a um, surface level action. There, mm-hmm. There's thought and it's standing up with his teammate for what his teammate cares very deeply about. And ultimately that's how he gets re-accepted into the team is I think it's a combo of those two things. 
Yeah. 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 And in that, in that finding of his role that is not, you know, we don't know. We, I guess we don't know what else is going to happen in the seat. Well, we do know, but we don't know in this moment what else is going to happen in the season. But in that, he um, he just finds a way to be a part of the team again in a more productive way. It's like, I mean, I think we're seeing ultimately Jamie go through some real significant personal growth in this. Um, the humility that he brings to that moment with Sam, the, the willingness to be a team player, right? We, I mean, in the end of the last season, we see him be reminded through Ted and make an extra pass and have a, you know, a positive outcome from that. We know that he is like, you know, not trying, he's trying to distance himself from his dad. It seems like there just, there's some things that he's going through. Um, so it's pretty neat to see his, his trajectory in this, in this season. Mm-hmm. I also think one thing I appreciate about the show and the way they depict things like changing and um, uh, uh, evolving as mm-hmm. humans is that they're still they're still them, right? Like yeah. Jamie's still <laughs> kind of a ding dong, yeah. And that's not going to go anywhere. Like yeah. he maybe is behaving a little bit better, and he's more respectful of the people around him, and he's considering himself part of a team instead of just one, mm-hmm. and right. But also, he's still kind of ding dong, like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I, I really appreciate yeah. that, right? Like yeah. Rebecca is always going to be like a little bit buttoned up and judgmental, even mm-hmm. though she she mm-hmm. has made all these steps. So I think that like that is such a great depiction of what it means to evolve as a human. Is you keep so much of your core identity. It's just like there's a few things that get tweaked a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you soften a little bit. Maybe you yeah. become a little more humble. Maybe you, yeah, whatever the things are. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. So what else? Anything else that you want to talk about in terms of people finding their role this episode? The only other one, I mean, I feel like Ted didn't have a huge storyline in this particular episode. I do think like he, Ted was sort of navigating what his role was and bringing this team together. And mm-hmm. right, right, like he employs mm-hmm. the use of lead tasso, his alter ego. A very bizarre technique that seems to work. Uh, also, though, lead tasso is like every coach I've ever had. Like, Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So that depiction, I mean, I'm sure there's other people who listen to this who played sports. I'm just going to say like that was not much of an over-exaggeration of some exact practices that I have been through like I think the only thing that seemed over from what I have experienced was touch your neighbor's toes like everything (laughs) else was almost verbatim things that have happened in practices I have been in so I just want to say like I think that maybe it was played for you know it is played for comedy but like also that is how a lot of coaches are like a lot most of my coaches you know who you are if you're listening to this (laughs) They're not strange way of motivating people. Although, I mean, I thought it was sort of interesting to watch how, you know, I mean, if you, if, if the team is continuing to tie, you know, this is a different way of not, I mean, it seems that he's mostly doing it to try to, like he says afterwards, make himself the, the, the bad guy in the situation, whatever to, to unify the team. Um, But, you know, I mean, also, 
maybe he's a little like, let's try a different technique because this team keeps tying. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think the idea of like having a common enemy is Mm -hmm. like, that is valuable. Mm -hmm. I, (laughs) I don't know. I don't think it's great when your players feel psychological trauma. No, 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 I just, can I please tell a very quick story, a traumatic sports story? Yeah. Listen up, everyone. This was my uh, 19th birthday because the end of the season is always like right around my birthday, which is in March. It happened to f- the, our last game of the season when I was in college, my first year was um, on my birthday and it was out of state. We were, I think, in Western Oregon and we lost. We probably we shouldn't have lost the game as in like we just did not play very well. Also, it was of pretty much no consequence. Like, I mean, losing is not fun, but we weren't getting relegated or it didn't m- make us miss the playoffs. Like we weren't going to the playoffs anyway. Um, so we lose the game and again, not great, but also the last game of the year. Yeah. And our coach went nuts and she had, so we were staying in a hotel overnight. We didn't fly out until the next day. And she said, we got to the hotel and she goes, everyone get to your rooms. If you leave your rooms, you're off the team and pulling your scholarships. And then she, so we were doubled up like every room hotel room had two of us. She went into each of our hotel rooms, took anyone who had a cell phone, took their cell phone. Now this was 2004. So not everyone had cell phones, took Mm -hmm. the phones, the phones for the hotel physically unplugged them from the wall, put them in a giant trash bag and took them out brought each room a half a pizza from pizza hut and was like do not leave your rooms i'm going to be in the hallway watching if any of you leave your rooms talk to each other don't talk to anyone else oh my gosh this was your birthday right also my birthday yes (laughs) but also traumatic for everyone regardless of birthday status or not and again like this is 2004 like why it wasn't like we all had laptops with wi-fi like that was not happening we were stuck in the room with our roommate and terrified because then you're like oh my god and and, yeah so anyway that was just like a regular end of the season thing that happened that feels like psychological abuse (laughs) yeah i'm not down with those motivational techniques not at all that is a hundred percent a true story i did not exaggerate one part of it i have many people who can corroborate that experience like 13 of them to be exact gosh i'm sorry that happened and also she's not a coach anymore yeah 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 i can see that yeah Mm -hmm. she does work for the ncaa though so that's not great no anyway Anyway, so anyway, all of that is to say lead tasso was a little triggering for me. Yeah, fair, fair. And also, I understand the concept of a like a common enemy. I just think it's much more effective when the con- common enemy is the other team. Yeah, and since we were talking about leadership uh r- ways that people exhibit leadership or power earlier when when lead tasso comes out, he's in that sort of authoritarian leadership style. He's using power over saying, you know, these things that are sort of comical again because it's Ted Lasso but also, you know, saying go run a thousand laps or whatever he says, you know, like those sorts of things are again not great ways to motivate people 
ultimately. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Yeah. Sharon kind of tells him that with a look. Insinuates like. that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think we see later in the episode, Ted really, I mean, first of all, I think that he could have taken his own advice through the stuff with Jamie, right? Like the, the whole idea with Jamie initially was like, let them come to you, right? Like let, let it them sort it out themselves. And he probably could have taken that advice a little bit. I think he wanted to fix it because he knew the team was mad at him. And then we see him really, I think, be a phenomenal leader and understand what his role was in that scenario with Sam at the end when he hands over the microphone to Sam and says, basically, like, I mean, he says something to the effect of when people like who look like me have Mm -hmm. something to say, you guys tend to listen. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to give the microphone to Sam now. So you will listen. And And that was it. He didn't make a meal of it. He just like was very subtle and direct with that um with handing it over to sam yeah he passes the mic mm-hmm. it's a very cool very cool move so ted i don't know about you have some questionable choices in this one but also sort of you, you come out of it in the end yeah we're on your <laughs> side ted we're still on your side plus we know that you're an amazing lover <laughs> yeah and and it is quite nice when he says doing the right thing is never the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a Did good you have a favorite it. Tedism of this episode? Um, I didn't. I mean, that was my favorite Ted line. Um, the other line just from the episode that I really love that we did not mention, because Roy was a pretty minor storyline. But when Roy is on TV, he says, Jamie Tart is a Muppet, and I hope he dies of the incurable disease of being a little bitch. And I really was, appreciated that. That was the line I was going to shout out to. It's a good one. <laughs> I I also just think it's kind of hilarious to call someone a muppet. So if you need a if you need an insult for somebody in the future, I maybe really consider, liked it. consider the choice of calling someone a muppet. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm on board with it. Well, anyway, <laughs> thanks, listeners. You're See not you next muppets. time. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the PS Let's Talk Love podcast. We want to send out a special thank you to Medium Build for our show music. And if you enjoy this podcast, follow us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you want to support us, it's super helpful if you could give us a five-star rating and leave us a review sharing what you're loving right now. Really, we want to know. And if you don't like it and you got this far, don't worry. You do not have to listen to us again. You can just you can just forget this podcast exists and move along. You can catch up with us on Instagram at ps.welovelove or follow us on TikTok at psconsulting. If you're interested in private coaching or learning more about our online classes, go to pscurators.com to learn more and find free resources to support you. See you next time.